What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III, with our guest today, Chris Coyer. What's up, guys? How's it going? Robbie and Chuck, good to be on the show. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to uh, to be into our plebeian podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's my pleasure, of course. It's not it's not podcast every day that the night before a package shows up on your porch. I don't know if you promised this to all your guests. I'm sorry if I'm ruining it here, but you offered for me mm. to send me a bottle of whiskey, which you did. Mm-hmm. And I have it right here in my hands. So I really appreciate that. Yes. Fair listeners, promises are delivered. Yes, we do. We uh I'm already three deep, so Oh, I like your style. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's kind of the gist of it. We started this podcast to talk about some whiskey with some tech people and, and then just random whatever. It's going great. I'm in a random you know, like techie discord and people are having a little web whiskey whatnot side channel chat the other day. So you got fans you didn't even know about, you know? Wow. Yeah, I did not know about that at all. Wow. We, yeah, I had no idea. I was pretty sure that like my wife and, and like... Robbie's wife and maybe a handful of other people listen to this, but analytics are notoriously difficult to gather. (laughs) You know, you might have to parse your S3 logs or whatever to get real. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, no, Caitlin doesn't listen to it. So that's one listener down for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But no, that's cool. Good to know. Thanks for sharing that little tidbit that somebody cares. Yeah, well, y'all do a good job talking about modern web stuff. I can't wait. I'm kind of old school, so I feel kind of cool, actually, because I'm like, oh, man, they invited me on a show where they talk about, like, fancy Web3 stuff where Mm. I'm like border radius and HTML5. That's why I stopped learning. I think there's a space for everyone, right? Like, (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) Will we cease to need tricks at some point? I say no. (laughs) I say no. (laughs) I say no. But uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll start with the whiskey. So this is a New Riff single barrel bourbon. I did a little bit of research, haven't had any of their stuff yet, but uh, I did learn that it's from Newport, Kentucky, which is the area that I'm actually from. So that's kind of cool. Is it really? That is cool. Yeah. Northern Kentucky, right across from Cincinnati. Uh, that's where I grew up. Okay. I appreciate on the show when you hold the bottle up to the microphone to do it. I think Robbie already did it, but it adds something <laughs> yeah. to the show. So I'm, I'm, I'll go. Okay, perfect. Yeah, they do a little... Oh. Little pop, yeah. Oh, it's kind of fun. It is. Yeah. So sixty-five percent corn, thirty percent rye. So it's considered a high rye bourbon. Five percent malted barley, aged at least four years with an ABV of fifty-four point seven. At least my bottle. Um, if we got all the same barrel, then we would have the same. But I don't know if we did. They do that little thing where it looks like somebody took their pen out and wrote it on there by hand, <laughs> kind of vibe. Which maybe they did. Barrel five nine four one. Where are you? I am five nine two eight. Mm. Chris is probably the same as me because five nine two eight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Since we had to do a little shipping arbitrage, you, you would probably have the same as I. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, cool. All right, let's give it a little sniff. See what's up. Respect his privacy, though. I mean, it's great. Let's see. Hmm. I get a little caramel on the nose. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. Actually, I haven't had any Sagamore in a while, unfortunately, <laughs> but I think it's very Sagamore-esque. The Sagamore is a rye and it wouldn't have this much corn. I know. I'm getting some like maple sugar, maybe brown sugar, actually. More of like a brown, sugar, melted brown sugar with a little bit of, I don't know. It's probably too expressive. It doesn't, it's all bullshit. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think I have unmelted brown sugar. Hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, yeah, exactly. I think I'm getting a little like normal sweet and brown sugar in the beginning. And then as it sits there, it's almost like as you caramelize it or something a little bit. Yeah, it's good, though. I mean, I'm a fan. I don't know how to talk about it. I just wanted to bask in you talking about it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is offensive to whiskey overall, but my, I grew up in a paint my stepdad was a screen printer and part of screen printing is you pour a bunch of paint all over the screen and you pull it across to the ink seeps through and you can print on all sorts of things that you wouldn't be able to print on otherwise because of the nature of the process. Then you got to clean the screen, which means getting paint off of a surface, which means you used what they called lacquer thinner, which was, a, you know, just a very, mm. it, it was probably foul to some people, but I kind of grew to enjoy the smell. You know, it's one of those like, oh. Oh, you know, <laughs> and I wouldn't want to compare a fine whiskey as this, a bourbon as this to lacquer thinner, but I got to, I just have to admit, I got a little whiff of that classic smell mm. on my first pour. Well, for one, it's a, it's a positive one for you. So first of all, I don't think that necessarily makes it an insult. And then second, like everybody's trying to like find a nuance and what they can identify with and taste and smell and then say it in a word. So hopefully someone else knows what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit arbitrary to begin with, regardless that said, um, yeah, like I said, you meant it positively. So eh? yeah, why not? I mean, it was positive and with a twist of surprise, you know, Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I didn't expect that, but I still <laughs> want to drink it. You were probably advised not to drink that smell when you were growing up. So, I mean, you just because you do the show, but probably, you know, you do the like whiskey anyway. What are the overall? I mean, you're, I get brown sugar and all that stuff, but it, largely comparatively to other to Jack Daniels or Jim, Jim Bean or something. I know. Gross. Right. But like, tell me why then. Tell me why. You know? Well, that stuff ends up having a very like uh, young, high corn flavor and they'll make it. It just doesn't have a whole lot of diversity. They'll like minimize how many other grains they put in there. So it'll be kind of very corny, very like just the basics of what they got to do to meet the federal standards. So you'll get like, yeah, some bare minimum. Yeah. You'll get of like corn sweetness kind of thing. And then you'll get some burn and that's kind of it. There's no like smoothness. There's no oh, nice. you know, diversity to it. So a lot of that will come in two folds. It'll be like, well, it can be, it has things to do with what they use for the mash bill, which can be a bunch of different things. It has to do with the yeasts they'll use. So like yep. more advanced yeast strains. And then the third thing is the char in the barrel. So they all have to use brand new American oak barrels. Right. But they can char differently. By law, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's basically the only uh, vegan spirit because it's federally mandated to be specific things. And so it's all natural. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's why Jack Daniels, that's the only reason why Jack Daniels isn't a bourbon, because they charcoal filter it with maple, like this maple charcoal stuff. Oh, and they just, they could give a shit less, I'm sure, right? Because they have such a popular brand or whatever. Nah, they're doing okay. I Yeah, I've heard of them. The only reason I knew any of this is I went to Scotland once and went to a bunch of, you know, distilleries that made scotch and they were <laughs> all these scotch distilleries. They're like, we get all our barrels from Jack Daniels or whatever American producers because they want barrels that have already been used. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's more chill or whatever, which meant like, how did you do it before America existed or whatever? I don't know. Took whatever they could. Who knows? But yeah. I, yeah and they are also aging much longer. So like. A bourbon can be ready in four years. You get like a sweet spot for me personally around like seven to nine years. So this is young for you, this one. Yeah, but I think it's pretty good. Actually, it doesn't have any mm -hmm. it doesn't have any flavors of youngness for me. 
I think maybe the high rye helps that. Hmm. It's got a lot of corn, a lot of rye in it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Is it infinite? Like if you manage to tuck, bury this in your backyard and invent a time machine and come back in 50 years, a 50-year a bottle of this would just be blow your mind, amazing, incredible. It doesn't age anymore in the bottle. Oh, the bottle. Okay, so the, the if you buried the barrel. The barrel. Mm-hmm. It would continue to do stuff, right? But it might not do good stuff because I've had 20 and 23-year-old mm-hmm. bourbons and they're just like way too much wood for me. It's just like a spice punch right in the nose. For you, there's a sweet spot and it's not 20 years. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So if you buried it for 50 years, maybe not. The thing that people like is that now whiskey's so popular, so it's like practically impossible, but there used to be this thing called like dusty hunting and you go out there and you go to like estate sales or liquor, like old liquor stores that maybe didn't sell a lot of whiskey for a while. And they got stuff in the back from like the seventies and eighties. And you could pick up their old stock, which would be like old recipes for distilleries that are no longer. And they're like, this is the great stuff. This was like, they were doing it the old school style and legit. And there's something kind of, magical about that yeah Yeah. so that's kind of cool but um you know it's pretty hard to come by anymore like that market has been saturated i could see an american pickers episode about that or some crap you know oh for sure well there's a bar in dc called the jack rose and they have five owners and one of them was the bourbon guy and that's basically what he used to do to fill up his collection and he had so much in a collection that he'd bring things into the bar so I had like a 1937 IW Harper and some stuff from the 60s a couple times there. Whoa. And it was really interesting because like a 1937 bottling was distilled, say, like right at the end of Prohibition before. I think it's like 10 years before. That's amazing. And even made it, you know, somebody managed to not not drop it. Yeah. <laughs> All those years. I thought you were going to say drink it because that's uh, essentially my problem. Yeah, time. probably more, probably more. <laughs> yeah. common. But who knows? It probably, you know, it probably moved around. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. And just ends up somewhere arbitrarily. Some sale or some yard sale or some crazy thing like that. So not sure if you're familiar. So we tend to rate our whiskeys on a one to eight tentacle scale. Mm. It's pretty random, but it's like obviously four is the middle. One is terrible. Eight is like the greatest thing you ever had. And it's all subjective. So. Kind of, you know, it's all whatever your personal rating is. Okay. Six tentacles. Yeah. It's very good, I think. Yeah. I like where your gut is at. And I was actually going to go six as well. Wow. Oh, it's pretty good. The price point, I think, was like 54 bucks or something. I would. Okay. I'd, yeah. yeah. I'd get it again. Yeah. I think for the price point and quality, six is about right. I was initially thinking five, but I'll come up to six so we can all have an even rating. Six, six, six. This is the last episode, obviously. <laughs> We're all going to get murdered tonight. Oh, my. So, um, I don't know, moving into more professional discussions. So, I've heard that you uh, you have this site for having playgrounds to create projects online. I think it's called um, Code Pencil? Code, code Pen. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. it. Sorry, I wrote some notes down. That's the one. Yeah, so that's the main gig, right? Yeah, I ordered pens on the internet once, you know, like put your put your company logo mm-hmm. on a pen. Yeah. But I just chopped off the pen part, right? It just said code because the pen was implied. It was incredible. <laughs> that was like my peak moment as a as a business owner. I'm sorry I didn't get some of that swag. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they are rare these days, yeah. you know. American pickers will find one one day. I have one that has the full logo on it. Oh, look at you. So I don't have that one. 
Sick. Nice. So my brother has one of your t-shirts. So he lives in Florida in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend got one, I think, from like one of your events or something there a few oh, years wow. ago. I don't know. One day I was just visiting him and he's wearing a co-pen shirt. I'm like, what? Where did you get that? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I lived in Tampa for a while, but but pre-CodePen existing. Hmm. So, okay. wouldn't have been that. Yeah, I don't know. But a sweet spot in my heart. I like Tampa. It is a pretty place. For Florida, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. That's their official tagline. It's just everybody's experience is different, you know? It always, this is like, not that I should get into things that annoy me, but this does annoy me a little bit. When somebody like, like has declared a whole city as bad, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. Detroit, bad. <laughs> you know, you're like... How can you do that? There's so much to a city that any given person could have the most wildly different experience there. They could have met their one true love and gotten married there and had picnics in the park. And they're going to think Detroit is amazing. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, how can you, I don't know. I don't like it when people make too sweeping generalizations. Mm. Just because I felt it a lot about Tampa. Because Florida gets a lot of hate, which, you know, mm-hmm. I get it, right? It's a little, there's some crazy in Florida for sure. Mm. But I randomly moved there and lived on this little cute street. And I bought a dog and all my neighbors were super nice and had this like, because yeah, I didn't know when I moved there. I was like, uh, Florida, what am I doing? You know, am I doing this right? And ended up having this like incredible experience living there. I guess if you're not allowed to hate a city, I should not be allowed to blanketly love it either. But love is better than hate. You know? Right. <laughs> and why subjectively enforce your opinions one way or the other onto someone else? True. Yeah. I should just not have any opinion. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to bode for us in our, like, <laughs> in our careers, though. Um, yeah, my brother lives in, uh, in St. Pete specifically, and I think it's really pretty there. It's very cool. Yeah. Even better, really. Mm. It actually surprises me that people choose Tampa anyway. It's like St. Peter's Tampa, but on the water. Like, mm. why don't you pick the water side? Crazies. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. CodePen. I, I literally am co-founder of CodePen to this day. It's been almost 10 years now. So, we're a, I still think of us as a startup because we're so small and only took like kind of one round of funding and just still kind of feel scrappy and still trying to make it happen. You know, I feel like spiritually connected to it, feeling like a startup and, you know, it behaves like a startup. So yeah, it's our little, it's our wall startup. And the whole point, it's like really geared toward front end developers. So you just, you go there, the thing that most people do and engage with is there's a thing called the pen editor you know the pen is just a made-up word that's our little our little unit of thing that you can make which is just write some html css and javascript and it it renders as fast as it can under your fingertips you know like you stop typing and it's like i'm gonna render what you got so far and puts that stuff next to where you're typing which makes it this like cognitive it's nice it's nice to like see what your coding become real really fast, which now we just kind of like expect as developers. That's like table stakes. But at the time, not that it was necessarily like super innovative ever in its history. You know, there's always been things that have predated it and stuff. But I, but I, I just like that to this day. And people use it for that reason to this day. Like if you're trying to teach someone to code for the first time, which you wouldn't believe it, a freaking ton of people are constantly entering this field trying to learn how to code. Some of them end up on CodePen because of like curriculum or, you know, blog posts that have embedded pens that point them to that or whatever. So we catch a lot of people early in their coding career and they 
they learn to code at least partially on CodePen because of that, you know, you type color equals red and the color goes red real quick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's compelling. Used it plenty myself for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about that aspect of it where the fast feedback kind of being the niche. I don't know how much you can talk about the technology behind that, but I'm not really interested in like what it is or as much as you can say that it is. Yeah, it's not all that interesting, really. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It is, but it's not surprising. It's not like we invented uh, something totally new, although we are kind of trying that these days. You know, like, what can we do that is a little more, that takes this a step further? But let's say, you know, you've all written in SAS, right? SAS is extremely popular CSS preprocessor. Still to this day, you know, a lot of even really fancy new CSS stuff. There's a lot of, you know, you're writing in Next.js, they still like make SAS like a first class citizen. You want SAS? I don't know. Just just make it SAS then. You know, they yeah. a lot of new frameworks still hangs on, which is says something about that technology. But these days it's written in Dart or whatever. If you just like NPM install SAS, you get a Dart version of it <laughs> for whatever reason. And it has a it has an API, it has a JavaScript API. A lot of people probably don't use it that way. It's just part of their tool chain naturally or or something, you know, some other thing is like helping with the SAS thing. So not a lot of people call like dot render in SAS, yeah. but you could, if you wanted to, you could go down to the metal and they ship a down to the metal version of SAS where you give it like a string and you get back either a string of compiled CSS or like an error object that something has, has gone wrong or something. So th- th- we can just take that and we just made it a Lambda. Mm. So in all of them, all of our processors are just Lambdas, those little single purpose cloud functions in the sky. You're getting Chuck excited over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He loves serverless. I mean, I'm we're serverless <laughs> all the way through. We have loads of, I think that's the way to go for so many things. I mean, we have dozens of dozens of many, many cloud functions for this reason, because they scale and they're secure. And, you know, you don't have to worry about somebody, some vulnerability in SAS that could execute cute code on the box. You're like, I don't care. Go ahead. Execute mm-hmm. all the code on the box you want. I mean, not really, because you could still do something stupid like Bitcoin mine or something, probably. But <laughs> but you can even lock that stuff down. Be like, oh, well, this Lambda can't make external calls or whatever. So, okay, problem solved then, right? But anyway, so you're typing along. Let's say you've chosen SAS. We can hit a Lambda with your SAS and get a response in like very few milliseconds, right? So we take your HTML. We process everything that we need to. We kind of just stitch it together in a template. And then... You'd think we would just like inject the result into the iframe because you can do that. You know, iframe even has like a source doc attribute that you can say, this is the guts of the iframe. Please do that. Yeah. But interestingly, that doesn't work particularly well, not because it's buggy. Really, it's just that it doesn't behave like a real website behaves in a way. Like, let's say that had a image source equals in it somewhere in the HTML. It wouldn't know what the refer was. So like when it hits that image, the server that serves the image, you know, it doesn't send like a refer header to get that image, which isn't the world's biggest deal, but it kind of matters because there's some crap on the internet that just expects that, or it looks like spam or something if it doesn't have a header. 
So like if you try to like embed a Google map or something on a pen and we've source stocked it, it'll just be like, what is this? No, <laughs> I reject the rendering of that kind of interesting. And there's other little quirks with that. So instead of just like trying to fake it and just slap it in an iframe, we like really temporarily put it on a web server. Like we just, we just take your processed file and we just make it available at a URL that's like really short lived, just has a little weird URL structure to it. And then we point the iframe at that really quick, huh. really super duper fast. And then it has a refer. It, it just is a little fake, it, not fake. It's a real little web page for just a split second. You know, yeah. we render it once and then it's just ditched. And that has some cool side effects. Like let's say you wrote a set interval or a set timeout or something in JavaScript. It will like reset that in a way that sometimes if you try to like do clever crap, like dig into the iframe and replace little bits of it on the fly, it, it doesn't, do that and it can be annoying so this is actually like a really dumb solution like all it does is just like you know, just loads up an iframe as an html document yeah works great and you're like hey dummy over here is where you're creating the stuff don't create the stuff over here yeah maybe in a way i mean if you if you just typed like h1 hello world during that process if you did it slow enough we might render that whole document like four or five times hmm. and it's so fast that it just doesn't matter you know, yeah, that little renderer machine is not even that's not a Lambda. Lambda could probably do it, but it's we have just a bespoke little Go based web service. Go is just so, so smoking and it's networking capabilities that like mm -hmm. you could, you know, send a billion requests at it. And it would be like, here they are. You know, it's just incredible. How you don't have to worry about scale at all. I'm going to say that you think that because you haven't been keeping up with Rust. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you'd switch it to Rust. Switch to Rust. I'm literally nervous about that because so, Rust is so hot. Yeah. And our team has really, there's no switching to Rust. Like now we have four full-timers pretty much on Go. Yeah. And it's like, that's too, we're too, for a small team, we're too deep in it. You know, I don't regret it. Go's pretty. Yeah, Go's not going anywhere. I mean, Rust is the hotness and maybe, you know, it has its place, but Go definitely has its place. Yeah. When I, back when I worked for Acquia for a bit and uh, we used Go for all of our microservices and it was just like stringing a bunch of different microservices together on Go. And then we had like a middle layer. Yeah. And then that was just what you'd access for everything because it was so fast across a bunch of things. Yeah. The fastness of it is like game changing in a way. And it's not just like, oh, that's nice that it's fast. It's like it enables you to do things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. That if you're like, oh, you know, we have this huge, huge database. And if we wrote this little script in Ruby or whatever to change some piece of data or port it over here, it's like we're looking at four days or something. And certain company that needs to do something, like that, that's just, that's a no then. Like it literally can't happen. Yeah. But you go and you run it and it's like, eight seconds you're like oh yeah we can we can do that <laughs> eight seconds is fine you know yeah yeah we can live with that and it's sometimes it's that that extreme like i feel like maybe i embellish that a little bit but there are situations that are a little bit like that but it's so it's so in this other world of speed and speed is where it's at again apparently we're all interested in speed on all the levels yeah and it's important to us because of how how fast we want to make it, you know? So as we evolve CodePen, that's the thing that's got to stay the same or get better. Otherwise, why would you use it? You know, imagine a CodePen, I mean, I, you know, how often you use it, but if it was like three seconds to return a document as you're running, you just, it would just feel different. It would just be like a bummer, kind of a bummer experience to be like, nah, let's not even bother. Or let's just spin, why don't we just spin up VS Code locally and teach our kids that way? Because 
that's automatically fast because there's no networking at all, you know? Right, right. Definitely. It kind of has to feel more local-like and then it makes a lot of sense. And then so Codeman becomes, it's a place to learn, but that's not the whole business model. You know, if you went to the homepage today, there'd be lots of like code art. There'd be really, you know, mm-hmm. just amazing stuff. You'd be like, holy crap, how did they do that? You know, not a day has gone by pretty much in the 10 years we've been running this where there isn't some kind of like jaw dropping, interesting creation on CodePen. And we've leaned into that over the years to make it like even more social in that you can, you have an account and you heart other people's things and you can leave comments on it and we track the views and we track clicks and stuff that are a little a little behind the scenes so we can throw like a little ml at it and so if you're logged in you get a kind of like unique model for you of other stuff we're going to show you that is like the stuff that you've engaged with kind of thing there's a little bit of that Hmm. like oh yeah like Twitter might do or something, you know, we're, we try to very much not be gross about it, but it's like, how gross can you, or I'm just trying to show you some pens that you might like, you know, like I'm not trying to. Right. What's gross about that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no COVID deniers on code pen. You already said you like these things. We didn't show you anything weird. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's just not the kind of content we have to worry about too much. I'm going to surprise you with some CSS art. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get weird. But e- even if you don't, there's no model for you or anything. You're, we're still showing you like algorithmically popular stuff. If you search for rainbows or something because you need some cool rainbow background on your website, those algorithms will kick in in the search results and show you loads and loads and loads of examples of people that have made some kind of rainbow on CodePen, you know. That can be valuable and that adds to kind of the traffic of CodePen, you know. Like it just gets hammered. We just, it's, I've never definitely never worked on a website that gets as much traffic as this site does just loads of traffic it's amazing because you know with that much user generated content and just a minimal attention to seo you there's just you know we get a lot of results from that and serve it up hot and fast you know so that's kind of cool and then because of the traffic and because we have a pro plan that you can sign up for which is kind of the bulk of our revenue as a company we still thought this should be some way to monetize or or help out with the bills for the the vast majority of people who don't pay for CodePen. Mm-hmm. So there's some display ads on the site, and then we send a newsletter as well, which is you think, wow, a newsletter, how huh? what an innovative, you know. But so many people get it, so many millions of people get the thing that selling a few advertising spots in the. Th- newsletter which is called the code pen spark that marie and our team puts together it's, it's like a decent chunk of our company revenue believe it or not wow you can't beat that yeah we need to start a newsletter yeah we've talked about this get in on this i don't know if we're gonna have any paid sponsors but well you gotta start somewhere yeah exactly we don't have any paid sponsors on this podcast or anything else either so you know nope but we get to drink whiskey so it's still fun yes <laughs> yeah heck yeah heck yeah I don't know. You didn't really ask all that. I just wanted to, you know, I run a site called CodePen. That's what it is. It's all that stuff. Yeah, that's all right. I, uh, I, you know, freestyle it. We don't have a, we don't have a serious plan. We have some bullet points and we may never get to all of them or any of them. It's hard to say. (laughs) It's just the nature of things. But, you know, the other thing you're very much known for is uh, around CSS and CSS tricks. Your second favorite thing or maybe third. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're a father now, so it's it's probably lower on the list, but you know. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, the it's a CSS dash tricks.com. Just a it's a WordPress blog is really 
what it is, believe it or not. I just have been publishing articles on that for even longer, for all, closer to 15 years. And it, you know, it used to be just me, and then I started taking guest posts and having staff writers, and it's gone through eras and and stuff. But you know, to this day, we publish multiple articles a day on just the world of building websites. If anybody hasn't heard of it, that name probably sounds terribly stupid. CSS tricks. I mean, oh my God. I, I kind of regret it. And I I think often about like, what is a, what is like a bold rebrand look like? You know, like, could I pull it off? <laughs> Technologically, I think I could pull it off. There'd be a little bit of SEO worry just because that's so, Google's like so good to that site too, that it would be a little scary, you know, perhaps to, to pull it up. But I, you know, I could do it. But then I'm like, I don't know. Some people really like it. You know, like, I don't know. You, you, It's not just a technological problem. You lose some brand stuff in people's brains and, and all that stuff. Anyway, I didn't mean to pull you down that rabbit hole too far, but <laughs> CSS tricks, really, what a cheesy thing. We, It's not just a site where we publish CSS tricks on it. Yeah. It really kind of never was. You know, there are there is plenty of that stuff in there once in a while. But for the most part, like, it's just a blog about websites. Yeah. Yesterday, I actually looked at one about how to parse RSS with JavaScript or something like that, because I was trying to pull down our podcast and get the latest one. So yeah, there's definitely stuff that's not CSS on there. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that one, but I wrote it in February 2020. So that was two years ago. You know, it's not like that came across your Twitter feed, probably. That came across probably a Google search found that for you. you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Googled like RSS with JavaScript or something. I don't know. And it came up. Right. I find it as like a handy reference for lots of things you need to do in real life on the web. Right. You have like learn different frameworks, learn JavaScript nuances, learn all these things. But a lot of times those don't always translate to like what I actually need to do. And then, you know, Robbie's example is perfect for that. Like, oh, okay, there's no API for this. There's an RS feed. I'm sure you can parse that somehow. Let's see what the internet says. Boom, there it is. There's the reference manual. Exactly. And that's what I want it to be. Like, I like that. I have never uh, set out to be like, to make like course material, which is another option and possibly a sounder business option for, you know, there's a lot of companies that went that route, make good money doing it because then your average customer is probably worth a couple hundred bucks or something. Whereas the average person who lands on CSS tricks is probably worth about a half a cent, you know, kind of things. So if you're business oriented only, you know, maybe we picked a questionable model, but to this day, I don't, you know, I've published probably 10,000 pages of stuff on CSS tricks. Um, and don't and just capital and it's still relevant and helpful versus like yeah. curriculum like there is a lot of yeah. that kind of stuff there so either you want to be in the deep heavy pool or you just want to have a conversation with peers and help them do something yeah i feel like that's what css tricks is it's more the latter it's like i'll learn something one day and then i just might as well write it down that's the kind of vibe like did you think robbie oh yeah there's such a thing called window.dom parser like it doesn't uh, nope. enter my brain all that much <laughs> yeah, i write plenty of javascript but i didn't remember like oh there's a dom parser just built right into the browser global yeah. dom or whatever you call it you know it's just a global api what okay well <laughs> good to know yeah Exactly. Unless somebody's like going through MDN docs all the time, just going through APIs available for the web, you're never going to like find that stuff unless you need it. And then you start figuring it out. So like what's going to tie those things together? So 
I know what you mean, like where maybe CSS tricks doesn't like cast the net correctly or widely enough or whatever, but we all know it. It's kind of like, mm. you know, so the branding's there. You could switch it, but then we'd be like, oh, you know, it used to be CSS tricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. The web page formerly known as CSS tricks. Oh, that would be unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to change your beard, make it more narrow, you know. And I'll probably never do it. And also, I'm also tired, and it sounds like work, you know. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. we're not we're not getting any younger, okay? But I can understand. I can empathize with the whole like I got to write stuff down now that I used to remember all the time, and now I don't. I don't remember anything. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe that's it. Maybe I never was all that good at that, and I had to write it down. You know, it was just yesterday. I was I wanted to produce. 20 shades of gray but i wanted i wanted something to flipping help me do it you know like i don't want to i'm not going to hand pick 20 shades of gray this is a programming concept Could there be some way and i was googling and trying to trying to find stuff and i eventually found stuff and I, I found probably three interesting ways that you could get it done you know that's going to disappear from my brain if i don't write it down mm. so i wrote it down i didn't i haven't pressed publish on it yet i haven't even written it yet but i have it cooking my brain, you know, so that eventually yeah. will become a little blog post, you know, and then I will thank myself later when the next time I need to generate 20 grays. Right. Got it. I got you. people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new nuance and nature of programming in general is that we're inherently lazy and we spend all our time trying to make things easier or not ever doing it again. Yeah, I could easily spend a whole day writing a thing to do something that I could have just done manually in like an hour. But that's not fun. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And then part of maybe the entrepreneurial part of me is like, if I write this down and I do it enough time, I can extract money out of it too. You know, like some part of that's there. I probably wouldn't do it if there was like no, no value in it. And some part of me likes the like, almost like an, like an RPG video game with a grind in it, you know, like that always attracted me and like blogging oh, yeah. to me almost feels like a really long-term grind. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> You're willing to put in the work. Yeah, we mentioned that on, uh, I think the one with Mel, which hasn't published yet, but uh, we were talking about how games, like that's the kind of games I like. I want it to feel like work and I want to grind. And like, so I, I like the grind of coding and blogging mm -hmm. and doing all the things as well because of that same reason. Yeah, Zelda Breath of the Wild. That was probably the last one that drew me in in that way where you just had to like grind through and do a bunch of stuff. So I mean, I own a Switch still only because I'm waiting for that to come out, not because I have any time to play any other game. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I bought an Oculus 2 or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, oh, wow, now I can, now I'll, I'll see what this metaverse is all about, you know? I was like, oh, once in a while in my life, I've strapped one on, but I never had like easy access to one. And now they're like $2.99, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it's not nothing, but it feels like a lot more affordable. Not to mention they ship in like five minutes. They must have some mm. drone warehouse or some crap, but they really came really weirdly fast. For, <laughs> for me, I'm in the middle, middle of nowhere here in Bend, Oregon. I was just shocked at how fast it came. Anyway, like I, you know, I'm never going to do it. Like, I, I'm like, don't regret buying it, but like, what in the three minutes of spare time I have per day? Mm, I've done meetings in it. So there's horizon yeah. workrooms. 
or whatever. So you can like go and we're all like remote, virtual, whatever. So I had like one on one meeting in a virtual office space. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's rec room, which is cool because you can have people that don't have VR participate also. But then if you have the VR, you're in there. We did like Pictionary and I played disc golf with my brother nice. once and stuff like that. And then I got to fight Darth Vader and then I haven't gone too much further than that. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. If there's social aspect to it, that would gear it up for me. So far, I've just been like, I'm going to learn how to play this little ping pong simulator kind of thing, mm-hmm. which was fun, but it didn't uh, didn't strike me as useful as having a meeting in it. That'd be cool because then it would be part of my day in a way that it's not otherwise. Because otherwise it feels like, oh, I got to smash learning this thing in at the end of the day yeah yeah speaking of smashing don't be careful Mm. i smashed my face and body into a shelf playing games one time so we're in that rec room and then we were like playing like this racquetball like game yeah and when you reach really far and i had my guardian set up like right to the edge of stuff which is a bad idea if you're going quickly towards it it can't warn you in time i see so yeah i like so i had like a big bruise here and yeah, wherever else. Yeah. So real physical damage. Yeah. Yeah. So, but not in the meetings. You're fairly safe in meetings. Yeah. Cause you can just sit. What about the like, would you watch a movie in it? Would you just like buy your, like, would you just sit in the couch and fire up a movie and just let it be, let it seem like a 200 inch screen or whatever crap in front? I don't know. That would be interesting. I have done some of the video. Like I did a video where you're in one of those squirrel suits and flying like down the mountain and like with other people. That was cool. So, yeah, I mean, I've done like experiences like that. I guess I would watch a movie. The resolution's not great, though. Mm. Yeah. Unless I think you're supposed to like plug it in if you want like the high res or whatever. If you do Wi Fi, then it cuts it back a little. Really? Oh, that explains things. Yeah. Oh. So you can like plug it into your computer and then you get like streaming direct that way versus Wi Fi streaming. So that'll help some of that stuff. But I don't know. Well, that's interesting. But then you got to run a cord down your leg. Yeah. My internet is non-existent, so. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a long one. But uh, the only thing I wouldn't do is play. There's a lot of horror games on this oh, thing. Mm-hmm. And that is an absolute no for me. There's like a Blair Witch <laughs> and a. Oh. Yeah, like, no, that's a, that's a hard no. Because Darth Vader was scary because it, it takes <laughs> into account your height. And I don't know if you remember, Chris, but I'm not that tall. And he mm. is very tall. And so I was like, whoa, mm. this yeah wow i don't know yeah yeah i can't even watch like a trailer for a scary movie <laughs> mm. on a normal screen on my phone yeah i'm like Ooh. yeah yeah huge wimp huge wimp yeah we play uh if you've heard of phasmophobia it's like this ghost hunting game and like you go into rooms and you have to like find clues and like the if you don't do it fast enough the ghost will attack and kill you and that is VR capable and Rob plays it in VR. I would never play it in VR. I barely like playing it on a computer, but yeah, that's super scary. <laughs> Rob works for us. <laughs> that's not Robbie talking about himself in the first person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Rob plays on VR. Rob is going to have a drink of whiskey right now. Oy. There was like one more thing that I think Robbie wanted to talk about a little bit that is more technical <laughs> before we go too far down the whatnot side of things, which is basically a constant. But CSS tricks way into CSS, of course, as, as well as many other aspects. So Robbie loves Tailwind. And we really want to know what you think of Tailwind. Oh, right on. Yeah. I mean, I, I never yuck somebody's yum, you know, like if you... <laughs> <laughs> like tail and i think that's great also i think you're in um you're in not rare company 
there's like a lot of you and I'm sure you're aware of that, that like, I think there's a lot of people who feel like, I think some of the vibe is like, we've arrived just like, you know, use tailwind, skip to the end, mm -hmm. that kind of vibe, like CSS is solved now. Mm. So why would you screw around with anything else? Fine. You know, like that, that seems like <laughs> such a bold statement that if like, that's how you really feel then rock and roll, you know, <laughs> I have tried twice now and I just, I can't get into it myself. And I, it's because of some of the promises that you'll work faster, you know? And I'm like, I feel really slow actually in this, but the part, part of that is just, you know, it's, it was new to me. So try harder, you know, like you get a new keyboard, you got to practice that too, you know? But, you know, then there's all the, the class names and there's just something about it that doesn't vibe with me in the same way that I, I just don't, I didn't feel a productivity boon. And then I kind of go back to writing CSS, which I've been doing forever. You know, I really do have a website in it. You know, I really do actually think about CSS a lot and like, I'm not scared by it. I'm not worried about it. I feel like entirely perfectly capable in CSS, like at all times that I end up back there and feel okay. There is CSS tooling that I am compelled by. Like, I like the idea of scoping styles. I like the idea that I can write CSS that doesn't leak out and things don't leak into it in a way. Like, I think that's a cool innovation. And I think there's some relationship there to something like Tailwind is that you can just go hog wild with your Tailwind and you're not like influencing anything else on the site. Like, you're just doing what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's like you're chopping a carrot or whatever. Like, the carrots in the fridge are fine. I'm just chopping just this one. Whereas um, CSS, I think, can scare people in some ways and be like, yeah, but if I touch it, maybe I'm whatever, kicking over the bar stool in a different bar or whatever the joke is, you know? Yeah, we had some global CSS at National Geographic that was like, really don't touch it, don't touch it, don't, <laughs> just in your thing, put your thing way down here just to make sure, because we can't change this thing because we have no idea what it's going to break across <laughs> the entire organization. It was like that kind of stuff back in the day. That's surprisingly not rare, you know, and you'll have less of that the more you scope your styles. Yeah. The more that you're not afraid of it in a way. The promises of web components is what that's all about. Gosh, I remember that was so excited. Mm, yeah. Wonder. Yeah, don't, you know, don't don't write it off quite yet. I mean, they're in the platform now, so and they continue to evolve and there's more stories for them. So I think that long term that might really actually be the thing. Maybe it's not today, but I'm pretty cautiously bullish or whatever on web components. Here's another thing though. CSS is render blocking. You know, if you're a performance dude, you put a, you know, you think about the waterfall all the time, which things in the head are blocking. Can I move my JavaScript down? Can I defer loading of stuff? What can I do to get a faster, you know, whatever first contentful paint and all that stuff. Yeah. CSS is literally your enemy in that way. Most people just put a link tag in the header and it's just their, their entire CSS. I think they're all the proof in the world that if you use like tailwind and the just in time compiler, and it's producing a little style sheet for you that replicates nothing, you know, that it's so trimmed down that the chances of you shipping a very, a very much like a 10 X smaller style sheet is somewhat common in tailwind and thus you just straight up get a performance benefit about it i feel like that mm -hmm. should be like touted more strongly from the tailwind people i don't hear that one as much mm. yeah the big thing that i always see in code bases is like you know just do a search for like display flex you'll see 
yeah. 150 or more results, depending on your code base. Oh, sure. You put in Tailwind and you have the one flex class and you, it's not a huge savings, right? But you're getting rid of display colon space for like every one of those. So a little bit less bytes. You are. I mean, you, you put it back in the HTML, so it's like not huge. Well, <laughs> but yeah, so it's not a ton smaller, but it is a little smaller. And then, yeah, it optimizes with the just-in-time stuff. And it really depends how you use it because you can use it poorly and get a just as bad result for sure. Mm, yeah. I like that that people like it so much. I wish that there's some like social nuance to it. There's some people that, you know, there's been... To, plenty of examples. I can quite literally point to the exact examples of somebody being like, I don't like this very much and get piled on. There's something about the Tailwind community that can do a pile on to somebody in a really unhealthy, uncool way, I think. Right. That's like, gee, why can't we just talk about technology? Yeah. There are a few communities like that. I don't think it's... I write a lot of React, right? I write a lot of JSX. Just like, here's my template and I see my structure in there and it's already full of on clicks and stuff, right? So already my H and I've I've come to terms with that, you know, like that's I like I think that was a net gain and stuff. But then it's part of it bugs me a little bit to then add a bunch of class. Like it's I feel like it's already a little messy down there. That's something about adding the classes to that very same template where I'm trying to. That's my place where my brain needs to do the reasoning about what's happening. It's like now it got even messier. I don't like it. I want to. But I like the co-located styles, you know? I like it when my little JSX thing, and then there's another little file right next to it that's tightly coupled to the template. Oh, yeah. At the moment, that's my kind of my, my favorite yeah. way of handling things. Yeah, that's what I did pre-Tailwind. I think that's a good way to organize. Now, think of the new stuff that's coming to CSS. There's Cascade Layers coming. It's like a weird big deal that's changing how Cascade and, and specificity is going to be handled in CSS. There's container queries and container units and those how the hell are you going to express a container query in Tailwind? There's, you know, nesting coming. Well, you don't really need nesting in Tailwind, fair enough, you know. But but there's like a pile of stuff coming in the next year or so that also feels like if you just let CSS be, like just use the language, you get all this stuff. But if you have to wait for an abstraction to arrive later, it's like maybe it never does arrive or maybe it comes in a way that's like, too abstracted that's not all that useful i don't know yeah there's an advantage to just sticking with the core language that you get to use the core language yeah i mean i think that is an important point that like for me tailwind is helpful because i spent so many years doing css and sas and understand how it works yeah like if you're a newbie coming in and just being like oh let me just use tailwind i'll throw like a grid class on it'll make me a grid then yeah you're not going to understand the nuances and you're not going to know when the new things come, like how to use them and that kind of stuff. So it's important to still know all the CSS. And what about the big org thing? Do you feel like it would be more useful the bigger the org or is that or unrelated? Um, I think it could be, but I think it would be hard to get a big org to all buy into Tailwind. Mm. It is very polarizing one way or the other. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know either. I might get my gut is that it would be because it has this like nature of design tokens to it that I can like, like if you want to use this blue, you have to use this class. And that gives like some organizational strength 
to the idea of like don't go rogue with your blues everybody there's one yeah okayed way to use and it's not just blue it'd be like animation timings and padding numbers and everything it's like a mm-hmm. it's a way of saying like never design on your own only design with this set of design tokens yeah it is helpful for like a ux team because you can be like okay you can't use 35.5 pixel margins you've got to pick like the ones that we have in Tailwind and they've got all be the same. So it's helpful for communicating that back and forth and making sure you don't do anything non-standard. But mm-hmm. I mean, in the same way, the like, guardrails can be applied and what how heavy handedly should you be for like an open source project versus like an internal engineering practices. Right. Like what are your ESLAN prettier settings? What kind of pre-checks do you do before uh, merge requests and like all kinds of stuff like that. So I think it's like a similar ideology. Yeah. Maybe the fact that it requires tooling opens the door to even more tooling too. Like, okay, we're already tooling some crap. So why don't we lint it too? Right. Right. And so how, you know, granularly you want to enforce that kind of stuff. I, I have been in places where the order of properties is linted and corrected. Yeah. Oh, it should be alphabetical all the way. Uh, not the order that it is in like dev tools or whatever nope. which i can't remember what that's called nope alphabetical because how are you going to find it you're going to remember the order that someone else decided it should be in i know the alphabet like <laughs> yeah it puts like bottom really high and really far away from right yep and then you're like well that sucks it does you know <laughs> yeah and you can't just search for right to each his own yeah yeah. See, this is what makes it all interesting. So many different ways to to skin a cat. I kind of have the like, leave it alone and don't mess with somebody else's is my kind of rule at the moment. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of import ordering at the top of your JavaScript files too. Right? So many JavaScript files have like eight, 10, 12 imports at the top, pulling in subcomponents, pulling in NPM stuff, pulling in all this other stuff. Do you have an automatic thing that sorts them we don't i do i've never been able to find one that i really like <laughs> that like like prettier for imports or something if you do that's awesome i've dabbled in it twice now like should we get it? and then you just would do it all over the code base once and then make sure everybody's machine is set up with it and then that that would then that would be fine but because we haven't nailed it yet the rule is just freaking leave it alone just <laughs> do not open up somebody else's thing and reorder their inputs and commit that because that is just noise and it doesn't matter and I don't care. <laughs> That's reasonable. I wanted to circle back to a comment I made earlier a little bit. So you are a dad. I'm a dad. Robbie's going to be a dad soon. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. So I wonder if there are, I mean, I have given him plenty of advice he didn't ask for. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if there's any advice you would give to a new dad. Oh, that's great, you know. There's plenty of, of advice. I mean, I, uh, that comes at you whether whether you want it or not. But I remember one guy talked to me. He was a DC guy too, David DeSandro. You ever run across that guy? Oh yeah, your DC years. I did. Yeah, he's a dad now too, and he and he's just like, there's just going to be too much of it. So I'm on purpose. My advice is to just is to not give you advice or something like he said it more sage like at the time but it was kind of like it doesn't matter anyway it's like talking to a telling a junior developer what they should learn and you're like you're gonna fucking ignore me anyway there's a hundred (laughs) percent chance that you're not gonna do whatever i tell you to do yeah yeah and that it seems so like worrisome but it's not it's like it's gonna be fine 
like you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's like not that weird. I thought maybe I would like really become a different person, which I absolutely have not in any way. I'm like <laughs> literally exactly the same dude I was before. It was like hard. I went through a challenge. Maybe I come out like, ah, I'm a little stronger now or something or more resilient because I went through that a little, you know, perhaps I suffer fools a little less or whatever, but fundamentally I'm just the same. <laughs> and you too shall be the same person. <laughs> it's good non-advice. <laughs> Yeah, I've been reading a book that basically said the same thing. It's like, I see you're reading this book and like, that's great that you're trying to learn all this, but it's not going to help. Like, <laughs> you know, you're going to do the best you can and it's going to be fine. It's basically <laughs> like all it is. We went for like eight weeks to this class for two hours at a time. And they taught you about how the baby might be sitting and your wife and how you can be in these certain positions. And, you know, lot, like here's the names of all these things that, that could happen and what to expect on the day. And then all of a sudden it's the day and it just goes whoosh. And yeah. It's over and you're like, this is eight week class. Get out of here. It's a freaking <laughs> exactly freaking grift, dude. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't know any better, and there's plenty of people who also don't, so they buy the book and take the class. Yeah, and it and it felt good. I even remember enjoying the class, kind of. I took little sketch notes and stuff. You know, it's not like I terribly regret it, but as far as, like, that being vital to letting a child into this world, mm -hmm. that's just going to happen. <laughs> it comes out the hole down there, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For any listeners that weren't aware, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody by that. That was mean. That's fine. No, no, no. Okay, Chris. So that that uh, clarifies for me. You haven't listened to any previous episodes. Um, what? We're unedited. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. That was a joke that didn't land. That also happens a bunch too. So don't worry. Well, that'll be great. Are you taking? <laughs> you gonna take a couple of months? You gonna? How are you gonna do that? That's kind of an interesting one. Yeah. So our our policy, just because we don't really know what we're doing as a company yet, mm -hmm. is we give everyone a month of leave, which is not the best, but it's not the worst. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll, I'll take a month off, and we'll just try to figure things out. And yeah, if you're super early days, I wouldn't. I think it's probably right right in the middle there. Just that's just my hunch to things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard when you're billing clients to just give people like six months off. Yeah. You know, because right. they're not bringing in any money. So, yeah, there's no passive income there. So it's like, no. And that this is perfectly fine. People have multiple children too. And a lot of times they want children that are like not super duper far apart so they can mm -hmm. like be friends better. Yeah. That means if you had two or three and you gave six months for each one, you work literally half the amount of hour like like maybe that's rude to even bring up or something in the today's world but it seems like that's a lot of that changes the equation of employment to me right. as a business owner that yeah in a weird way that doesn't seem particularly fair depends on what you're working on like if you have a product that's super lucrative and those people can be really productive in a couple of months and yeah ship the value then sure but we're not Netflix, so yeah. we can't give you six months off. Right. <laughs> and we're not in Sweden where like so much like of that is subsidized to. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. it'd be all right. You're going to need the month though. Take that. Oh for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for paternity leave, that's actually not too bad in my experience. My first yeah. one, I had two weeks and I did have six weeks for my second and I was able to split that up. So that helped a little bit. Yeah. 
As the business owner, I just, I I didn't like announce anything at all. It was probably the least healthy possible way you could do it to set no boundaries at all. Just be like, <laughs> I'm kind of going to be out, but you just knowing my personality, I'll never be all the way out. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's like week one and I'm rocking the baby and answering emails. You know, it's like, that's like the worst possible. There's some advice. Don't do that. <laughs> just be out. Yeah. Yeah. I would get in trouble for that. My wife is definitely going to make me like put the phone and the computer away and just be present yeah. for like that whole month basically. So yeah. Yeah. You'll learn to be bored again, which is <laughs> be a weird feeling. Yeah. Because it's not like flying excitement. Right. They sleep a bunch. And even when they're up, they just go, eh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And if you like horror movies, now's the time because that crap goes away in a couple of years and you can't do that anymore in their <laughs> presence, you know? Yeah. In the early yeah. days, you could watch whatever you want, you know? Get it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned recently my kids are five and two and when they're in the car I, you know, I listen to like old school hip hop and stuff. And recently, yeah. especially my daughter is her, her language is in the repeat mode. Mm. And so <laughs> old school hip hop, even modern hip hop, it is not really good. They use some words that I would not like her to repeat in public. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you have to like censor yourself for you know, what you're enjoying and when. Oh, I'm terrible. They come out of my mouth. <laughs> it's the main problem, you know? Well, I hope not this word. I hope this word doesn't come out of your mouth. <laughs> but other ones, yes. I mean, there's yeah. been plenty yeah. of like, yeah, fuck, daddy. Fuck this. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So. Have you? Or I would be skewered. <laughs> because it would definitely be my fault, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah's also at fault, so oh yeah, I'm not alone in that. She might actually listen to this because that's how it came up. Because you knew Miranda probably from National Geographic or something, DC. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we worked together in that geo, uh, and that's where I met you. We, uh, I mean, went to a code pen thing, and yeah. and then we went to dinner at like Red Hen or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, in the Northeast. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally remember that. Didn't they even like Cacio Pepe or something where they were known for it, wasn't they? Oh, Cacio Pepe. Yes, that is mm. like the stuff. I'm currently not <laughs> eating any of that stuff. I'm uh, smartly doing like some caloric deficiency, high protein diet this week or for 10 days. Oh. Um, oh. So one whiskey will really get you going a little bit when you're doing that. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, mine's dry. I'm going to re-pour here, although I don't know how much, what the... We are around an hour, but like the one last week, I think it was like an hour and 40 minutes. Like, oh my God, we just go until we're, <laughs> it doesn't matter until we don't feel like it or, you know, you're not obligated for longer than you really want that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we do. There is one more like very interesting topic that I want to make sure that we cover, which is you had a short blog post about Rick Steves and how you had more recently discovered him. <laughs> I love Rick Steves, by the way, he is like the nerdiest dad and, but he was like my intro to European travel. So like, I don't know, 15 years ago, I had a like first midlife crisis. There's been a few of those already. Oh, I understand. And I realized like, oh, yeah, I'm 30 and I spend money on like stuff and I've never really traveled that much. And I've always wanted to go to Europe. And yeah, so I sold all that stuff. I read Europe through the back door and got real inspired and then took off for like seven months. Wow. So he mattered to you. You know way more about him than I do, but because all I've ever seen is like his this show, it's just is on Amazon Prime and he just like goes to these cities, but it doesn't look like he's doing it particularly cheaply. It's so lo fi, like VHS, you know, like yeah. somebody is like, yeah. Totally, totally. The only reason it has good resolution is just because technology happened and you like yeah. almost can't, you like can't shoot bad video anymore. <laughs> they like don't, 
like don't sell that right but that's his vibe right is is do do travel cheap right that's what the book was about anyway to me it was more about like traveling versus vacationing so it's like you're going to a place and you're trying to embrace some of the culture and stuff so it was always important to me to like not make it about like bucket listing oh okay i'm in rome i better see the Colosseum and the forum and right. the whatever and then what does everybody say i go to for a restaurant but instead i would be like oh, i'm gonna go wander around in some neighborhoods over here because that was over a thousand years ago two thousand years ago now what's going on and hang out and mm-hmm. get some local culture too yeah like what does it feel like to live here almost more than yeah, yeah just like hit the highlights yeah exactly yeah my big complaint about Italy is that there is no food that is not Italian. <laughs> it is so hard to find, like, I want a burrito or, like, a burger. Like, not existent. Oh, really? Poor burrito scene in Italy. That's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of in general for, like, Italy and Spain in particular, right? Like, they have their own kinds of food and they kind of really lean into it. I mean, in any major metropolitan area, you can get whatever all the fast foody kind of things or whatever else but i remember i was volunteering in milan for a couple of weeks and we essentially ate like pizza and gelato every day and some pasta at lunch and whatever else mm-hmm. and i was taking the train down south going to the cinque terra and one of the stations i had to stop at had a mcdonald's mm-hmm. like mcdonald's and then beer and i had two burgers and a beer and it did it was a nice like oh, okay i needed to break the, yeah okay this is all right mm-hmm. but i mean that everywhere you go the pizza is amazing though so it's hard to say complain about that too much yeah it's great but after two weeks of pizza and gnocchi every meal mm-hmm. we were like hey let's get some mexican food yeah and terrible like the worst like oh. yeah <laughs> i had some chinese food in barcelona once and it was like soupy it was disgusting Oh my God. You both would hate me. I'm the worst in the world. I've been to Barcelona <laughs> twice. Yeah. I don't think I've eaten at a non fast food restaurant in Bayern. I'm just such a piece <laughs> of garbage when I travel. Because I get, I'm there because it's short because I'm dad. I got to leave. And then I'm just alone. I was alone in both cases. And I like, you know, this didn't, I don't speak the language. And I was, I was under some stress to deliver a good talk anyway. So I'm just like, oh, Subway. Oh, kick ass. One turkey oh. sub, please. And then, <laughs> then yeah. yeah. terrible and you know Miranda just loves travel and just loves the idea of going to Barcelona how romantic and I walk around and I'm like this actually is romantic I wish you were here babe that would be amazing we would have an amazing nightmare but alone I think Rick Steves is cool but I don't have the spirit man I can't just like I can't just sit there alone oh see I traveled alone so I did I did a bunch of that you're it I mean, it break off into some fast food. You embraced it. I'm proud of you. You killed it. Yeah. I'm just human garbage when it comes to that crap. <laughs> You're the guy that ends up in a foreign city and just goes to the Irish pub because the Irish pub is where all the Americans who don't want to like try. Oh, for sure. I go to O'Roy's or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah, we just head there. It's full of Yanks. And I'm like, I always avoid those places because I'm like, I know y'all. Yeah. I need to go figure this out. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we'll travel there you go i'll help you out sometime yeah yeah well with people it's fine it's just alone yeah. I'm, I'm the worst then i go back to my hotel room and like hook up my internet and watch like stargate sg1 re- reruns and show and it's just horrible love stargate <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not bashing stargate 
It's all right. I know. It's just like once in a lifetime opportunity to be somewhere oh. amazing. You're like, oh, the Sagria Familiar is down there. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, Samantha Carter's right here. Yeah, know? but what's Teal doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, conversely, I can feel like I, I can empathize a little bit with the whole a little bit of you time because it just doesn't feel like there's me time really much anymore. So then if you like travel for something work related. Oh, yeah. Ever. And you get, you just want to sit in the, oh my gosh, I can like play a video game at like a home-like environment without anyone bothering me. Yeah. It'll come back. I plan on highly, you know, someday I'll retire. We'll travel the world. Like Ruby will be in college and we'll be like, see you later. We're going to do amazing mm-hmm. things. You know, I hate that, that we, it's such a cliche life that we have to wait till then to do it. But Hey, you know, I guess there's a reason things happen like that. Cause yeah. Spend your formative years behind a keyboard, damn it. That's right. <laughs> Better late than never, right? Yeah. Plus, you just like what you're doing. I do like what I'm doing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you. I tend to wonder in some shape, form, or whatever, will we ever really stop doing this? I don't know. I mean, we might worry about yeah. having to do this, but we probably still would do it in some form. Yeah. If I had infinite money, I would still work on stuff for sure. But I just wouldn't have to when I don't want to. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you'd probably be better for it. Although I, I don't know. Sometimes it's like when I have my busiest days, I'm also very productive. And sometimes I worry that like if I had all this time, would my quality go way up because I'm like going slow and I'm doing it for the passion of it? Or would my lack of ever being busy kind of somehow make it suffer? I know, I'm going to find out. I'm mm, ready. If you're not forced to ship. Yeah. Without deadlines, I would never get anything done. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> I need some of that pressure. You got to be forced to ship at some point. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do, our next business venture will be like the retired web devs. And then we'll just like put artificial pressure on one another to force each other to ship. <laughs> it might actually work. Like it sounds like mm-hmm. a joke, but you know. It could be a thing. 20 years if it happens, then you'll know why. Yeah. We'll cold call people that used to be devs and just be like, you shipping that thing? <laughs> what, what's your status? <laughs> I mean, if it's totally artificial, maybe it, maybe it wouldn't work. But maybe there's some way to do it. Like you pair up with some like hungrier, younger dev mm. that doesn't have time for your slow ass. You know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's like, listen, Grandpa, you better shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you can tell me that you know give me some code review advice or whatever because they you know mm-hmm. they would never be able to get it out the door either you know you need both you need both it's like a mm-hmm. mr miyagi kind of mm. thing you know like, i don't think he could have won the tournament either you know he had the brains <laughs> for it but you need the karate kids broad he didn't have the body yeah 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 that's true i'm starting to feel some carpal yeah. tunnels so i'm gonna need some hands on keyboard at some point you don't have that ergonomic keyboard and mouse yet you have like reverse carpal tunnel like your hands hurt if you don't type Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I never retire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing so many blog posts these days. I'm not even talking about anything. <laughs> Gibberish. Well, with that whole like uh VS Code, GitHub, what was that? What is it called? Where it like auto completes some of your stuff? It's gonna write us out of jobs. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, copilot. It's so yeah. good. Oh my god. It's kind of nice. Just earlier today, like right before this call, I was working on some like themes for like a whatever, like syntax highlighting kind of themes. And there was an old version of it that were written in SAS, and I was like kind of converting it to a CSS modules format with with like regular dash dash CSS custom properties in the top. So there's two tabs open and I, you know, did the split pane thing in VS code, you know, and I feel like copilot like knew that I had two tabs open 
Cause I would be, I'd be like dash dash R and I'd be like, would you like it to be red? And then the exact hex code that was from the <laughs> other tab that was open. Oh, uh, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are we letting them read? I don't know. I allow everything. I kind of, I thought it was just ML. Like it just has some suggestions based on other crap that it's seen, but it seemed to be like on the fly. Huh? Fat, you know, I don't know what it's doing, but it is smart. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it reference lots of things in the file, but other file stuff is very interesting. Yeah, or maybe it just treats all open tabs as, as one or something, a little hack, or who knows? Oh, yeah, that could be be interesting. Anyway, that stuff's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's, a, you know, some fast hands on keyboard for us. Well, all right, gentlemen, I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to drink the rest of this whiskey, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I have two more meetings today, so I was trying to get, I was trying to figure out Ooh. how much is appropriate to drink during a podcast, mm. which is not the last thing you do that day, you know? Right. Turns out it's like four. <laughs> yeah. I forget that you guys are not in East Coast time zone. So yeah, yeah. I'm ready to have some dinner and be done. But yeah, that's unfortunate for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Phoenix. I got uh, an hour or less. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all the way, all the way west. It's only three o'clock. Two more. Womp womp. Two more. You can do it. It's all right. I believe in you. Oh, yeah, totally. These are pretty casual. Sync-ups, we call them, you know? All right, well, yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you liked it, please subscribe, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io. 